hey, God is doing something. I don't know about you, but I was, I was, I was just back there praying and I felt like I was like, like, you know, like when you're going up on a roller coaster and it's, it's about to just drop. That's what I feel like is gonna happen at all of our camps this weekend, that God, God is about to do something so special. And faith promises a special place, but he's gonna do something special because he is our provider. He is exactly what we need. Hey, there's a time in my life where that God was my provider. I want to share it with you. It's a, uh, a funny story. Back in 2012, I got married to my, my, my love, Rachel, who's amazing. She's leading worship at, at Farragut's. I love her so much. And, you know, we were taught uh, in, in marriage counseling and growing up by our parents that, hey, you know, whenever you're married, you're supposed to pray together, you know, lay, lay on of hands. And so we got pregnant pretty quick. Um, and so... Uh, I don't know why we say we got pregnant. I got fatter, but she was pregnant, not, not me. And that's a different sermon. But uh, she, uh, Rachel got pregnant. And so uh, you know, we were newly married and I decided, okay, hey, let's, let's buy a house. Let's go ahead and buy a house and get this rolling. And I was going from our Blunt campus to our Pellissippi campus to be the student pastor. And, and I've grown up and mom and dad, and dad really has always fixed up houses and built houses and flipped them just to be financially free. So I thought I'd do the same thing. Uh, He's good at it. I'm not. I didn't take that into account. All right. So I, I, I bought this house, literally a drug house. Seriously. Like it was foreclosed on. It was a HUD owned home. We bought it. Right. And it was, it was a drug house. We went into the basement, the basement in the garage. And there are literally, literally tables built with, with heat lamps over them. All right. They were growing a different kind of harvest in this house, if you know what I'm saying. All right. But something happened in me, something that was dormant in me arose, awoken whenever I, uh, when I bought a house. First was this need for power tools. This need, I needed power tools. I don't know why I can't use them. I don't know what most of them do. All right. But I needed them. I need them. I just felt my testosterone rise when I had them. All right. So I got some power tools. Something else that happened to me, which is more odd because I hated this part that dad would make us do growing up. And I thought I needed a nice yard. I, I, I wanted one of those yards, you know, that's like, it's super green and, and, and the, the people mow it like two different ways. So it's got the lines on it. And, but this may surprise you. I don't know if this is true. If you're growing drugs in your house, I don't know if this is true. Tithe on it. I don't know if this is true though. But people who grow plants on the inside of their house don't care as much about the plants on the outside of their house, okay? This is just my experience. And so there's, there's virtually no grass in this. Actually, I have a picture of a dark night when I was, I'd been painting for a while. Oh, this, oh sorry, that, that's fine. That's, this is me mowing. Um, don't worry about that part, guys. I had smelled a lot of paint that night. This is me trying to mow this yard, okay? And I mowed it because the grass was super high. And it, I, I don't know how this happened. There was no grass. It was, it was roots and weeds and a lot of holes. I don't know if they were like, if they had like some sort of pulley system for the contraband. I don't know what was happening. But I had all these plans. I was gonna put straw down. I was gonna put seeds down and all this stuff. I was gonna have one of those nice yards. That never happened. I was delivered from that dream. But let me tell you this. When it comes to seeds, when it comes to a harvest, there's a big difference between planning and planting. I had plans for something but I never planted for it. And sometimes life goes this way. 
It doesn't, we make a plan, we get motivated, and, and, and we, we, we try to start going forward, but we get distracted. We, we get discouraged, we get disgruntled, maybe even we get disheartened. All of our planning leads to little or no planting. Maybe you plan to save some money. Maybe you plan to shave a couple pounds. Maybe throughout the week you planned to get some sugar from your spouse, but you didn't do the planting needed for the harvest, so it was only planning. But I, I just believe that God's got something more. Because if we do that, our dreams, our desires, they never take root, they never grow, they never blossom, they never flourish into all that God has for us. I know this has happened to me. I wonder if it's happened to you. You know, in the Bible, this happened for a group of people. We talked a little bit about them last week as the church in Corinth. Uh, but before we dig back into that chapter, I want to pray and ask for God's word to take root in our hearts. Because the seeds of faith that God is planting in you for obedience, for ministry, for generosity, those are, those are supposed to grow not just to be the fruit of the Spirit to feed you and your family, but also for a world that's starving. So let's pray. And ask God to protect the seeds of faith that are called to flourish in our life. God, we love you so much. And today we stand on your word. God, we, I love our worship team and all of our campuses. They did such an amazing job. And God, we prepared a message. But what I pray is, Holy Spirit, that you, you change hearts and lives today. That you would make us obedient. God, I know that's what you care most about. So please, please, please help us today be free and obedient in a way like we never have before. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, hey, welcome back, Promisers, across all of our campuses. Online, GBB, we're so glad that you're here live at all of our campuses. Hey, if you're returning, if you're new or if you're just returning, we're so glad that you're here. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone from church or how long you've been gone from Faith Promise, I want to say welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. And I just know that I believe this. I believe so much that it is not a mistake that you're here. It's not a mistake that you're here this weekend. We're in a season right now we call Heart for the Harvest. And, and we're doing the same thing we've been doing all year where we're trying to find God's favor at work in our life. And that's our theme. And, and our theme actually comes from a verse in Psalms 90, verse 17. And that says this, let the favor of the Lord be upon us and confirm the work, the obedience of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. I, I just think that that's a harvest. Heart for the harvest, that's what it is. Because at Faith Promise, we believe God is not only at work in us, but that God wants to work through us. God is not just at work in us at all of our campuses. God wants to be at work through you. If you can get behind that, all in favor say aye. aye. All in favor say aye. aye. What I wanna do is I wanna take just a minute and I wanna share a personal story. I know some of you guys have been at Faith Promise for 25 years. Some of you guys, this is your first weekend. And Heart for the Harvest, we're talking about a free will offering where we give generously. And, and I, I've been on staff at Faith Promise for 13 years. I've, I've been at Faith Promise uh, for 25, the whole time it's been here. I, I've, I've been here. And, uh, and when I was 19, I came on staff as a janitor, okay? And uh, truth be told, I wasn't a very good janitor. And uh, we have a culture at Faith Promise, our staff, where we don't say it's not my job. And so I, I, would, I would be led by some of our executive team, and I would watch them. If there was trash in the lobby, they would pick it up. If, the, if you walked in the bathroom and there was water all over, they, they'd be in there wiping it up. They would just do whatever. I didn't have that in me yet. And so I, I, just, I just wasn't doing a great job. And so Pastor Josh, who's still one of our pastors, 
pulled me aside on a Saturday night and told me to go sit over there on the stairs. At that time at Pell City, we had a balcony. He told me to go sit on the stairs to the balcony, which is towards the back of the room. And has anybody ever told you to go sit there for a second and you know you're about to get it? That's where I was. I'm back there. I'm trying to decide what he knows that I did. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to confess to something they don't know about yet, all right? And so I'm back there. I'm like, what did I do? And he comes and he sits right beside me. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I'm the one that has no personal space. He usually gives some space, but he didn't sit right beside me. And he said, hey, Zach, I want you to watch that box. And in the back of the room at all of our campuses at that time, we had offering boxes that people would come and they would put their, their tithes and offering in. And he said, Zach, do not take your eyes off that box. You can blink, but do not take your eyes off that box. And I watched as people came and there's a little slot at the top and people would put change in. I watched somebody empty a bag of change into an envelope and try to, try to get it through there. I watched people write checks. I watched people just just push cash in there. And Zach said, hey, or, or Josh said, hey, Zach, no matter what you do at Faith Promise, whether you're a janitor, whether you're picking up trash, whether you're preaching on the weekend, people are giving because they're desperate to see this vision come to reality. They're desperate to see God's love make it to their neighbor's home, to their mom or their dad's, their kids. They're desperate to see real people with a real problem experience, find God's real love. And I'll tell you, I've, I've just, I've just never been the same. There's on some Saturdays, I, I, I came to the Pell City campus that's got 1,500 chairs on the floor at the time, and they, were, they weren't set up. And I just put my headphones in, I started going, I started going. Why? Because whenever I look at a $100,000 gift or a $10 gift, it's people who are saying, please, please bring this hope, this eternal hope where I see none. I just want you to see the E-R-O-I, the eternal return on investment. When we give it faith promise, that's how the staff use it. That's how our volunteers, that's how our leaders do it. That's what we're looking, I'm telling you, we live, lead, and love as a church with that belief in mind. This is actually a picture of JL, my, my daughter, the first time that she gave, first time that she tithed. And the reason she's so happy is because we celebrated the mess out of it. You can just tell, it's just some change in there. We took her to dinner and we celebrated. We spent 10 times more on dinner, 100 times more than what she tithed. But it wasn't about an amount of money. It was about a little girl seeing that I want to put God's kingdom before a toy that I want, before a candy I want. We just want to celebrate that. We believe that every seed sown reaps a changed life. Every seed sown reaps a changed life. We believe that. And it's true today, and it was true a 1,000 years ago for a church in Corinth that Paul was writing this letter to. And actually, we're going to plant ourselves right back in that chapter we were in last week, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm going to read the rest of that, because Paul was writing this letter to a group just like us. He was writing this letter to us. See, you see, this church had big plans. They had made big promises to help move the kingdom forward, just like us. We are faith promise. Whether the community knows that we've made a promise to God that we are going to bring faith everywhere that we can. But just like we get sometimes, this church in Corinth had got distracted, discouraged, disgruntled, and a little bit disheartened. So Paul, trying to move them forward, just like we're doing right now, starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in verse 10, he says this, and it is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Remember that term, best for you in this matter. He said, last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. When it comes to what's best in this matter, 
We believe that furthering the kingdom of God, we believe that continuing to advance the vision of seeing 1% of the state of Tennessee one to Jesus. We believe in reaching people who aren't born yet. We believe in reaching people who we haven't met yet. We believe that that is what's best. We believe that life is better than death. We believe that, uh, that restoration is better than divorce. We believe that healing is better than sickness. We believe that God's kingdom is best. That's why we give. Hey, something else I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit really highlighted in, in, in me as I was praying for you this week is in that, in verse 10, it said the first to do so. There's some people at all of our campuses, you're going to be the first to do so in your family. The first to do so in your family. And hey, you're going to lead your family into some favor that they've never experienced. I don't care if you're a student. I don't care if you're an FP kid. It doesn't matter. But you're going to be the first to do so. Can I say very specifically, Congratulations. Way to go. Hey, if you're, a, if you're a person who gives generously at Faith Promise, can we celebrate people that are giving for the first time at all of our campuses? Way to go. Way to go. We're proud of you. God, hey, God sees it, and he's proud of you. Paul keeps on going in verse 11, and he says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion. There's willingness, and then there's completion according to your means. There's a lot of very important things here I want to make sure we get. Let's be more than planners. Let's be planters. I believe the world has enough well-meaning Christians. I think it's time for some Christians to say, hey, I'll do more than plan or post on social. But I will plant and I will pursue the world around me. The world has enough well-meaning Christians. You know, I'm wearing this. Do you think that, do you think that an eager farmer, do you think that they just never get around to planting their seeds? Do you think this, they, they get too busy, they forget? No, why? Because their, their livelihood depends on, they'll starve if they don't plant those seeds. They have to plant those seeds. That's what they do. Hey, can I tell you, it's just as important for us to plant the eternal seeds that God has put in us to reap an eternal harvest. Why, why is it that important? Because if we don't plant these eternal seeds of life, something, something worse than people starving will, die, will, will happen. People will go without eternal life. People will go without hope. People will go without purpose. People will go without a spiritual family. I think the reason that, that, uh, that suicide is at an all-time high, depression, anxiety, those things are at an all-time high is because we're hoarding our harvest church. We can't do that. Something that Paul said, I want to make sure that we get, because the enemy is attacking some people with this. At the end of that verse, in verse 10, he said, according to your means. This is, in so, this is so important because when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's not about the amount of money, but about the amount of obedience that counts. It's not about the amount of money, but about the amount of obedience that counts. God doesn't count the same things that we count. He doesn't count the same way that we count. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, I don't think at the end of Heart for the Harvest that God is gonna count dollars and cents. I think he's gonna count yeses and nos. Paul goes on in verse 12, because this, this is huge for him. In verse 12, he says, for the willingness is there, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. See, the enemy's telling you because you don't have a bunch to give. The enemy's telling you because, oh, I, I, I can't pay off the debt. I can't do that. That I'm not going to give. 
it's not about an amount of money. It's about an amount of obedience. That's what counts to God. And you know what? I can prove this to you even further. And in, 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 uh, there's four books in the Bible that recount Jesus' ministry. Those Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and they wrote down stories. And, and actually, there's a story, one of my favorites, called, the, it's, it's about the widow's mite. And maybe you've heard of it. it and uh, they, Mark wrote it down, and so did Luke. They wrote this story down. And here's what happened, is they had all these religious people coming up with all their money, and they were dumping it in, making a show of it. They were making it loud. They, were, they wanted everybody to know, oh my gosh, look at all this money. Bring on the camels, right? They just want, they wanted to make sure everybody knew. Look at all this, look at all this money. Oh, oh, I'm out, hold on, hold on. I've got more, I've got more. I just wanna, I just wanna make sure, I wanna make sure you guys know that I love Jesus, yeah, Jesus, that I love Jesus. Yeah. And do more cardio. They wanted everybody to know, oh my goodness. But you know what? Jesus doesn't highlight them. You know what he says? He says, watch that widow. When I was in Israel with mom and dad, I got this. This was a, it's called a widow's mite. And in that, in that passage, Jesus said, the widow who gave two mites, the lowest form of currency available, gave the most. She gave the most. You know why? Because she gave sacrificially. It wasn't about an amount of money. God counted an amount of obedience. Hearing that drop in may not sound like as much, but you know what? There was a boy that brought his lunch to Jesus, and Jesus fed 5,000. You know, I love this. Amen. Give God some praise. God's just good. God's good. I I just want to make sure we celebrate it. Uh, One of of our ushers brought this to me. Somebody brought this. It says, heart for the harvest, 1 Timothy. Somebody brought their heart for the harvest offering already. And I don't know about you, this looks like somebody who's desperate to see God move. Amen. Amen. Let me... Let me tell you one more thing. We'll probably capitalize more on this next week, but one of our, one of our promises, one of our faithful promisers, he was, he was at our prayer meeting this weekend, and he said, you know what? Hey, there was a time where I couldn't give. I didn't have the money. I couldn't give. Some of you guys are there right now, but you know what he says he does? He says, I give extra now for the people who can't give in hopes that they will give more whenever they can. That's the kind of people who have faith promise. Give God some praise on our campus. It's so good. It's so good. Paul keeps on going in verse 13. And he says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. There might be equality. This is, this is huge because, again, it's not about the amount of money. It's about the amount of obedience. That's what counts. That's what matters to God. Now, whenever... And again, this may step on some toes, but I I promise you, I love you. Real equality should be set by the church. The real equality should set the church apart. Now, I know when I say real equality, that's probably sowing some seeds of concern. What do I mean by real equality? I mean eternal equality. See, we all have things that we want elevated. We all have things that we think are more important. Just think about some silly ones, right? When I walk to a restaurant and they have Pepsi over Coke, I just, I want to cause a scene. 
Pepsi's just, some of you guys are thinking you like Pepsi and you need Jesus. You need deliverance, okay? That's all there is to it. Uh, you know, something else you can see is you can walk by a group of guys, probably have on what I'm having on right now and say, I like Toyota better than Ford. Just a whole fight will break out, right? We'll split the church over it, right? You, it's something silly is, hey, I like, to, I like to vacation at the beach and not at the mountains. We have these things that we care so much about. Maybe like vaccinated or not vaccinated. Maybe, maybe about rich and poor how much of your money you have to give away and how much money you think you should receive. How about liberal and conservative? People make a post and it, it puts a picture on how you will view that person. How you See, in the shadow of eternity, those things grow strangely dim. In Luke, 19, in Luke 16, and I, I can't read it all to you, but in Luke 16, there's a, there's a story that Jesus tells, and I'm not sure if it's a parable. I'm, I'm not sure if, it, if it's a reality, but there's a story of a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. And, this, and Lazarus, the beggar, he, was, he lived out on the streets. He had open sores outside of the rich man's house. It says that dogs would lick his sores. I mean, he was in a bad place. And it goes on to say both these men die, but Lazarus believed in God, so he's in heaven while the rich man is in hell. And I'm telling you, you should read it because it is such a, it's such a realization. Jesus wants us to know that heaven and hell are real. And the rich man is looking up and he's begging, he's begging Abraham, Abraham, please send Lazarus down for just a, just a drop of water for my tongue. I'm in agony here. It wasn't metaphorical. It's literal. There's this separation. And Abraham said, I'm so sorry, my son. While on earth you received good things, while Lazarus didn't, but you have the decision you made. And the rich man goes, well, well, hey, will you please go tell my, I have five brothers, please go tell them, send Lazarus, go tell them that this place is real. Go tell them so they don't end up here. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, please go tell them to invest somewhere else. Please go tell them to, 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 to take the money out of these stocks and put them there. He didn't say that. He said, please, tell them that hell is real. That's what he begged him to do. And Abraham said, they, they have the law and the prophets. And I, I, I pray, number one, that we would go for eternal equality. I also pray that if Jesus were to rewrite that right now, that Abraham would say, hey, they have the Bible and they have faith promise, seeking them, pursuing them, because what matters most to them is eternal equality. Paul keeps on going in verse 14. He says, at this present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. The goal is the kingdom moving forward, not being comfortable. He says, as it's written, the one who gathered had much, and the one who, uh, the one, uh, who did not have too much, and, uh, and they gave, uh, sorry, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. See, this, this is just different. This is different than how we look at it. it. It doesn't even seem possible, right, that somebody wouldn't have too much and somebody wouldn't have too little. I mean, whoever says, hey, I have plenty, I have enough, right? I don't need any more money. I don't need any more attention. I don't need any more ice cream. Those just aren't things that we say right? It's just, it's just not part of our culture right now. But listen, in God's economy, in God's harvest field, listen, this is huge. We don't look at what others do have and compare. We look at what others 
do not have, and we have compassion. What if instead of being a people of comparison, we were a people of compassion? Amen? That would be amazing. So how about a promiser? Are you planting seeds of salvation in your home, in your neighborhood? What about it, students? Are you sowing seeds of unity on social media and at your school? What about it, young adults? Are you sowing seeds of, 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 of peace on, on, on social media at your workplace with your family? Are we sowing seeds of restoration everywhere that we walk by the words that we say? Because it's not about the amount of money. It's about the amount of obedience that counts to God. That's what matters. Paul starts to wrap up. I love this. In verse 16, he said, thanks be to God who, will put, who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm on his own initiative. He's coming. My prayer is that we would, we would grow, we would unite in a supernatural concern, that that would take root, that we would have much enthusiasm. Our prayer on the week is you don't leave and say, oh, we're great speakers, or oh, we're great at leading worship. We pray that you would join in this enthusiasm to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if, what if, and, and last week we talked very specifically about where we're giving in Heart for the Harvest, but just to walk through them, what, what if we were able to do one more well through Hands of Hope where we could bring clean water and the living water across the continent of Asia? What if through the Illumination Project, the Bible Project, we brought more Bibles to languages that currently have none? What if we destroyed our debt so that we could be free to go everywhere that God has called us to go? That 11.4 million, gone. What, what, if, what if we built Isaiah, Isaiah 117 houses in every community so that there's no foster kids waking up and sleeping on a floor waiting to see, does anybody love me? But we can have people, we can build a house that solely exists for them to come and be a part of. What if we built more campuses? This is a dream. What if there was not a city in Tennessee without a life-giving church? Not one worried about how many people came on the weekend, but one worried about how many people were coming to heaven in the end. Because that's who we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. Oh, man, that sounds like a, like a plan, Pastor Zach. Let's do it. Here's the truth. There's a big difference between planning, even preaching, and planting. And living. So, hey, just very practically, how, how do you arrive at the amount you'll give? I can just tell you what me and my family do. I pray about it, Rachel prays about it, and then we talk about it. And, we, and, then, and then when we talk, we, we come to a number together. Can I ask you, we talked about it last week, will you just ask that question, God, what would you have me give to move the vision forward? Listen, before I even go to Rachel, I ask God that question. And I have to prepare myself, because Rachel has more faith than me. We would live in a tent if it was up to her, just right outside, waiting on y'all to get back next week. <laughs> we drove home this weekend, and, and, and we had the conversation again, because we have it, and she said, hey, babe, I, I think it's supposed to be more, almost double what we had originally planned. We just talk about it. But again, I won't be responsible to Rachel. I'll be responsible to God, so I talk to him first. Amen, that's, that's, where, that's where we're at, that's where we live. So hey, I'm gonna ask you to do that this week. 
If you're married, pray, then pray with your spouse. Next weekend, we're gonna get down to business. Hey, I'm gonna pray for us, and we're gonna enter, enter into a very special time at all of our campuses. But hey, God's moving right now, and it's not that warm, fuzzy move where people are being healed. It's that painful move where some, sea, where some roots are being ripped up, some roots of greed, some, some generational curses and lies that maybe you believed. Maybe it's some dreams that you had that God wants to, you to defer those and put his dreams first. Let's pray. God, I love you. We love you. And uh, God, I'm so humbled to be before this house where I've grown up, where I got a call to ministry, where I met my, my wife and I got married and I raised my kids and, 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 and I give my life. I'm so humbled to stand before here and before you, God, to give in heart for the harvest is a celebration. It's not an obligation. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the privilege. Right now, God, we're doing some spiritual work in our hearts. Would you help us? Would you help us see our finances and our families and the future of your kingdom as you see it? Would you shape our prayer? Not me. Not faith promise. Not our videos. But Holy Spirit, would you shape our priorities? Would you help us understand what matters most? It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. One more time. Can we celebrate the opportunity to give at Faith Promise?